two foundations of Pentecost dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're thankful for the privilege that we have to come before you this morning. Pray that you would be with us in this time together. Lord, I pray that we would hear what you would have to say. Apply it to our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are continuing on our uh, series on our worship, Ecstasy or Intimacy. And uh, as we have looked at our worship, we have tried to note that worship is much more than just what we do when we come to church. And our worship entails so much more. And so this morning we're going to be looking at, uh, for our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to begin reading with verse 23. And um, the Bible says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles that eat, asking no questions for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no questions for conscience' sake. But if a man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for the conscience and for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Conscience I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jew, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. I want us to focus on verse 31. It says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. In the series so far, we have uh, seen much about worship, and, and I have tried to to get us out of the mindset of what we traditionally call worship and to begin to view uh, that worship encompasses so much more than just our praise and our singing and, and some of the things that we uh, 
normally think of as worship. But the, the text that we read uh, there in verse 31, he says, do all to the glory of God. And so I've, uh, I've tided, titled today's lesson, All to His Glory. Because everything that we do is to bring glory and honor to God. All of our life is to be, our life in itself is to be worship to God. Not just, we, we have a tendency to want to divide our, our life into the secular and the sacred. And we want to say, you know, this is part of my worship. When I go to church, when I read my Bible, we may even go so far as to say when I am witnessing uh, and specifically talking about Jesus. But technically, all of our life is to be worshipped to God. Uh, the Bible says in, in the passage that we read, whether we eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. When we are eating, we are, that is to be to the glory of God. When we are on the job, that is to be to the glory of God. When we are at the mall, that is to be the glory, to the glory of God. When we are, when, honestly, could I say when we go to some place like Silver Dollar City and for recreation, that is to be for the glory of God. Everything we do is to be done for the glory of God. And that should be the center of our goal of our life. That uh, it will affect when we realize it, uh, that everything we do is to be to the glory of God. It's going to change some of the things we do. But some of the things we do, we may still do them, but we are going to do them with a different attitude, with a different purpose, and in a different way. And so we are told everything is to be done for the glory of God. The only way we are going to accomplish this is when we realize that we are not to seek our own well-being. He says in here that every man is not to seek his own well-being or his own wealth, but to seek the wealth of another. We are to seek after that for others and for Jesus Christ rather than simply seeking to build our own. The Bible tells us uh, that we are not our own. And uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 19, it says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. God's Word is telling us we are not our own. We have been made for a purpose. That purpose is to worship God. So everything we do should be about fulfilling our purpose. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, Thou art worthy, O God, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. We are created for the purpose of bringing pleasure to God. And the only way we will find fulfillment in life, and the only way we can find joy in life is if we are fulfilling our purpose for which we are created, and that purpose is to bring pleasure to God, to bring glory to God, to bring honor to God, to bring worship to God. So everything we do should bring Him glory and honor. 
The Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians in chapter 3 verse 17 and said, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the, of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. And then to the Thessalonians Paul writes the familiar passage in chapter 5, verse 18 that says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, God's will is that every aspect of our life bring Him glory and honor. There are some things that we notice uh, that he specifically tells us in bringing glory to God in every aspect of life. And one of the first things we find is in, in feasting. And uh, I think this encompasses more than just our eating. It's not just, uh, though it is the specific uh, uh, thing that uh, he is addressing in, in our text here. And he is talking about not just our eating, but he is talking about uh, uh, meat sacrificed to idols. But I want to, to expand it a little more because in, in the idea of eating, he is talking about our uh, everything that we do being to glorify God. And so part of, part of feast is that there are also times in which we abstain from feasting, that we abstain from food in order that we might glorify and honor God. There are times that we have times of fasting. Now, it is interesting though as we look in the Scripture and particularly at the Old Testament, and remember the Bible tells us that the Old Testament is written for our admonition and it is recorded for our admonition. So even though we are not uh, bound by the law, there is much that we can be gained by the reading of the law and understanding. Did you know there were many more feast days than there were fast days? And so in the, in the Old Testament, they weren't always fasting. There were very few fast days, but there were many occasions when they would come together and feast. And so we do everything for the glory of God, whether we abstain from food in a fast or whether we are eating food and feasting and coming together in celebration. And so it's appropriate for us to have times of feasting when we come together such as Thanksgiving and Christmas and we get together with friends and with family and we have a, have a meal of enjoyment. But when we do that, it should be in honor and glory to God. If we have a Thanksgiving feast and we're, we've never crosses our mind to be thankful to God for the things that He has bestowed upon us, then we're missing the whole purpose. If we get together for Christmas and don't think about the gift of God's Son, we're missing the purpose. And in some cases, in some churches, I fear that it has got to the point that sometimes we can partake of communion and have forgotten the purpose 
of the feast, the purpose of partaking. But there are times that we set aside food and abstain from food so that we can let God know, you are the most important thing in my life. And I don't want to take the whole lesson and, 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 and because the purpose of my lesson is not to be on fasting. But sometimes we have the mistaken idea that we obligate God by abstaining from food. Or that that's a way of twisting God's arm into doing what we want. But that is not the purpose of the fast. Then in the passage that we read in uh, 1 Corinthians, the Bible talks about offending our brother. We must be careful not to cause offense to others, whether outside of the church or those within the church. We must honor God through the things that we do. He is talking about here, meat sacrifice to idols. And he says, just because it's been, don't ask questions about it. Just eat. Sometimes we <coughs> think, well, we don't have that issue today. We don't have to worry about that because, you know, you don't go to the grocery store and worry about uh, whether or not the meat has been sacrificed to idols. Uh, we can go to a steakhouse and not worry about whether or not that meat was offered to an idol. Uh, in that day, they couldn't. But there are some things, some things that, that we need to be careful about and to not offend our... One, one thing is, uh, it's common anymore, and, and, and there is a place for it, a proper place, but there are some companies that support agendas that we do not agree with that are against Christianity some there are many companies that support abortion there are many companies that support the gay agenda but sometimes we don't need to dig into all of that you know sometimes you just you don't ask any questions like they didn't ask any questions about me you don't you don't ask all the questions about it you just but when somebody has been made known and said, hey, this company is supporting this agenda, and then don't offend your brother by flaunting in front of him, well, I can do this because I'm spiritually aware enough that I can go ahead and go to the, you know, I can go ahead and shop at this particular uh, store anyway. We don't flaunt it in front because, I, I, let, let me try to give another example. Um, it's getting harder and harder to find a restaurant that doesn't serve alcohol. You know, uh, a few years back, there was a lot of people that wouldn't go to a restaurant if they served alcohol. And now it's getting to where uh, sometimes you can't even get fast food without going in and uh, having alcoholic beverages there. But... That doesn't mean that we go to a bar to order a hamburger or to get a steak. 
Now, is it wrong for us to do that? Honestly, I could probably walk in. I wouldn't be tempted to drink in a bar. If they had a really good steak, I could enjoy the steak and I wouldn't be tempted to drink. But somebody that had been an alcoholic, if they see me go into that place, it is going to make it hard. And they say, well, if he can go there, I can go there. But they can't go there without taking a drink. And the next thing you know, they've gone back into alcoholism because that I went there for a steak. And so we have to be careful not to cause... And this word offense means to cause our brother to stumble. That doesn't mean hurt his feelings. That means causing your brother to sin. And then, the Bible throughout teaches restraint. Throughout the Bible, one of the things that we miss so often, and not just... And I realize I have this under under feast but but it's not just to do with our eating and and but in every area of life the bible has a principle of moderation and sometimes we don't i you know sometimes we don't like some of the principles in the bible just to be fair and honest because the bible has a principle that it teaches of restraint and of 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 moderation Okay, what does restraint and moderation mean? You know, sometimes we want the Bible to say, go this far and no farther. You know, we want the Bible to say, you know, uh, uh, your sleeves have to be to a certain length. You know, and if you don't have them exactly at this spot, then you're wrong. And somebody comes in, and it's just a little millimeter shorter than that. Oh, they're violating the Word of God. No. There's some principles. Modesty is another one of those principles. But sometimes we get so hung up on wanting to draw the line exactly where the Bible doesn't draw it. The Bible says to use restraint. The Bible says to use moderation. It's, it, now, it's easy to notice sometimes when a person doesn't use restraint or moderation. But sometimes, that concept may vary between you and I. And so we have to allow for our differences in opinion on what that restraint is and what that moderation is. Now, there are some things that the Bible spells out specifically. The things that the Bible spells out specifically, we don't, I mean, you don't, there is no allowance. But when the Bible gives us a principle, and the reason I say that is because some of the things that I believe is right and that we teach is right, and I believe are biblical. And some of our principles of dress on, on, on modesty and moderation, I have seen people who did not go by and conform to the same standard of modesty that, that I believe is right, and yet they were more modest in their conduct than somebody that did conform to those standards. Because they went by the letter 
rather than by the Spirit. And I'm getting way off track. I realize and I'm getting in deeper water all the time. Because a lot of times, we become pharisaical in our beliefs. And we like to be able to tell people, this is where the line is at. When the Word of God draws the line, keep the line where the Word of God draws it. But if the Word of God does not make clear the line, let's not cut people off from the body of Christ just because they don't tow what we can perceive the line to be. Then not only in our feasting are we to worship God, but we're to worship God in our work, in our day-to-day life, in our living. There are a number of things that we are to worship God and ways that we worship God through our day-to-day life and, and, and in our jobs and in our work, whether, whether our jobs be uh, a, a employment or whether uh, we, it be uh, uh, beyond employment just in, in, in the day-to-day work, you know, if, if, even if you're retired, there is a work that you do and there are things that you do and we are to worship God. One of the first things that we have to do to worship God The book of Hebrews chapter 13 beginning at verse 15 says, By Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. We're talking about a sacrifice of praise here. That is the the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. And now He's going to elaborate on our sacrifice of praise. He says, But to do good and to communicate forget not. For with such sacrifice is God well pleased... Obey them that have the rule over you. Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable to you. You know, sometimes we forget in our day-to-day life, that we worship God by living a life of obedience to those that are in authority over us. Now, ultimately, our obedience has, first of all, to be to God. Okay? The the disciples said when they were were, uh, confronted, said, it's better for us to obey God than man. So I'm not talking about blind obedience. But sometimes we have people in the workplace or other you know, uh, I'm I'm sure you've heard, I'm sure none of us have ever done that, but you know, we've heard other people do it. They, the, the boss come around and say, okay, we're, we're changing the way we're doing things. From now on, you have to do this. Just ridiculous. You know. Because invariably it comes from paper pushers that never actually do the work. And so they, you know. And so, oh, I'm not going to do that. 
They're going to have to make me before I'll do that. But the Bible tells us we're to be obedient. They uh, um, had uh, at the uh, STC, the post office at uh, Indianapolis, for several months now, been going in the same door all the time. And uh, the other day I went in, and when I opened the door, an alarm went off. The next day, they had locked the door and put signs up, sending everybody. I have to, now I have to, from where I have the truck, and it's a large warehouse building, have to have to walk three-quarters of the way down the building to get in the door, three-quarters of the way down the building, back to my truck, and then all the way back down to the door, and then back to my truck. And it's, it's a pain. And a couple of the drivers that are coming in there, they'll still go out that door that's right by their truck anyway, setting off the alarm every time, because, you know, they, they're not going to walk that far. Well... And and just just so I don't leave a story hanging, what happened is there was a robbery at one of the postal facilities in Memphis in the past couple of weeks, and so all of a sudden they're starting to lock a bunch of doors and make people go through uh, uh, fewer entrances because of that for security reasons. But anyway, so they have their reasons for it. But sometimes we look at things like that. Well, why would they make us do that? That just doesn't even make sense, you know. But the Bible tells us we're to obey those that are in authority over us. Not only should we be obedient, but we have to be honest in our day-to-day dealings. And, and I don't... I started out and I thought, man, I don't have enough here. I'm going to fly through it so quick. But if I stop and spend more time on, on all of this, we're going to um, run way over and then everybody will be mad at me. So... I do need to try to finish on time. So, we must be honest. And then the Bible says that we are to show compassion. Uh, You can read this in Zechariah chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. And then uh, James uh, 1 also says, verse 27, says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. One of the ways we worship God is care for one another. And, and, and taking care and meeting the needs of one another. And uh, matter of fact, um, the Bible says in Timothy that Paul told Timothy, he said, if, he, if a man doesn't take care of his own, he's worse than an infidel. And if you look at the context that Paul is writing to Timothy when he says that, he is talking about not taking care of your children and providing for your children. But the context of that, he's talking about the care for widows. And uh, he says, says, if if, if a woman has has, um, children, or if she has nephews, if she has family that can take care of her, then the church shouldn't be 
handicapped with the responsibility of caring for her. It's the individual's place to take care of her. And there is a responsibility to take care of your own. And if you don't, you're worse than a person who has never come to the Lord. Somebody asked me just the other day, said, uh, does it bother you that you've not been in full-time ministry? And I said, well, I said, I have been in full-time ministry. I've had to work a job because, I said, but I have been in full-time ministry. I said, not because, uh, not in the sense that we often think. I said, but for over 20 years, my wife and I have been having to care for our aging parents and uh, have been having to take care of them. That is important. And the Bible puts a bigger emphasis on that. The Word of God is clear. The Bible puts a bigger emphasis on, on, on that being obedient to the Word of God than it does being able to stand in front of multitudes and proclaim the Scripture. Now, I'm not saying that just because a person... But I, I know of one particular... Uh, uh, well-known uh, preacher that, that uh, uh, pretty much had to come off the field to take care of, of his parents. And his mother during time of illness in her later years was greatly restricted on how much he traveled. But a lot of times we don't see that. But that is part of our worship. And that is what God expects out of us. So we worship God in our feast. We worship God in our function. And then last thing I want us to note today. It is important for us to worship God in our recreation. In those times of resting. First of all, God told us to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God realizes that we need times of rest. There are times. Jesus even told His disciples at one point, He said, come apart and rest a while. One person said, you know, you have to come apart and rest before you come apart. Or before you get pulled apart. There are times that we need to take time to rest. Hey, I was reading this morning in uh, uh, the book, book of Leviticus. And, and God was very explicit in, in not only rest for the individual, but rest for the land. He established the year of Jubilee. A time every 50 years that there would be an additional rest. He... he he wanted rest. He had a Sabbath of rest not only for mankind, but even for the land. Uh, uh, they were to sow uh, uh, for six years, and re but they were to allow the land to rest and to rejuvenate in the seventh year. And, and so God had, has designed us so that we need those times of rest. I have not... I, I have not verified it myself, but years ago I heard uh, an individual telling of a study in which it said that the human body actually requires more rest 
once every seven days than it does the other six days of the week. And uh, uh, it is important for us to take... The Bible says that He gives His beloved rest. God does not want us to be in turmoil all the time. And sometimes if we're not careful, we go, go, go. And sometimes you'll hear of those that have suffered burnout because they never took time to rejuvenate. And then in our recreation, there must be times of reflection. Jesus said that defilement comes from within the heart of man. It tells us that in the book of Mark chapter 7. And if we are defiled from the things that are within us, then we need to be careful the things that we put into us. The things that we meditate upon. The things that we do in our free time. What kind of reading material do we read? What kind of magazines do we read? What kind of information do we put into our mind? Now, now, that doesn't mean that every time that we are reading that, that, you know, we have to always be reading books on systematic theology and, and, and books that dive into the deeper things of God. There are times that we... But they need to be wholesome reading. I remember a time... In Bible school, I was becoming stressed out and just just over. And uh, I was talking to the dorm supervisor, and he went and grabbed a a novel, uh, just a short paperback novel off of his bookshelf that was uh, a, a good wholesome book. And he handed it to me and said, "Here, forget about your studies for the rest of this evening, and just go read something light and easy to re- refresh your mind." Sometimes, but we got to be careful the kind of material that we allow to do that. Not just that, but what do we listen to on the radio? What do we listen to? Uh, uh, what do we watch? What, what is on our computers? What kind of things are we allowing to come into our mind as we are resting and in times of recreation? And then it is important for us in our rest and reflection Uh, during this recreation, that we spend time with our families. That we not become so involved that, that, and, and, and it is so easy to do. You get so involved in so many things. And, and sometimes we don't stop. But it is in these times, often, that we are worshiping God. Because it is these times that we communicate the things of God with those around us and with our, our relatives and our friends. There is a lot that could be said as to how that we worship God in our day-to-day life. There's no way that I could cover everything that that we do in our day-to-day life that is part of our worship. Our worship 
is not just when we raise our hands. It's not just when we sing. It's not just when we're in church or when we're having our private devotions. Our worship extends to every area of our life. And the way that we do these tasks indicates our worship and what we worship. Sometimes the way we go about these tasks indicate that really my worship isn't to God, but my worship is to myself. Or my worship is to my job. Or my worship is to this or that. Our worship is seen in our day-to-day living. I talked about in our worship in feasting, our worship in function, our worship in frolic. There is one more area of life that we worship God that I want us to note. John chapter 21 and verse 19. Jesus has just said to Peter, Lovest thou me more than these? Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Then Jesus says in verse 19, This he spake, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. Not only do we worship God in our feasting, in our function, in our frolic, but we worship God in our finality. We can worship God in the way that we die. God can be glorified in our death. And the only way God's going to be glorified in our death is if He is glorified in our life. I've shared it before, I'm sure. But just before my grandmother passed away, she was in the nursing home, had sat in the chair for months on end, not knowing anybody, not recognizing anybody, not, not saying a word, just sitting there in silence, almost imprisoned in her body. And the church, Lola went by for a nursing home service. And as they began to sing, the presence of the Lord began to fill that room. And my grandmother, who had not spoken to anybody about a couple weeks before passing away, looked up at Tim Fouts and said, I may not know where I am or who I am, but I know who He is. And left a testimony that even though she didn't know who she was herself, she still recognized the presence of of God. And so in everything that we do, we can honor and glorify 
Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that our lives would be lived in such a way that we would bring glory and honor and praise to Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. And it's in his name we pray. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com.